Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Grateful for that today. Grab your Bibles. Proverbs 29, 18. Such a wonderful, wonderful Bible lesson this morning. Thank you, Brother Jones. Uh, I... I probably don't say it often enough. Appreciate this man. Appreciate his family. Appreciate the Word of God, uh, the way that it is delivered, the truth that we receive. I, you know, I really did appreciate the part that he talked about. You know, we can say the right things in the wrong way. <laughs> you can be right all day long say it in the wrong way, and you're not going to do anything but create an enemy. Man, I, I, I want to speak the truth. We must speak the truth. The truth, the Bible says buy the truth and sell it not. Don't, don't trade it. Don't barter it for anything. There's nothing. Get the truth. Once you've discovered and once you've found the truth, once you've bought into the truth, don't you let it go for anything. There's all kinds of spirits in this world that are trying to get people to sell out. Trade just a little bit. But you know what? That spirit is never satisfied with just a little bit. Because once it finds a hole in your armor and finds that you're willing to trade just a little bit of truth, it's going to be knocking on your door the next day asking you for just a little bit more. And it has a golden tongue. It'll try to, it it sounds like it makes sense half the time. And you look around you and you see the world in which we live, they'll all agree with that same spirit. But there is, there is the spirit of God that has delivered the truth to his people. Delivered the truth to his people. We're not here to sell out that truth. <coughs> we are bought into that truth and we're not going to sell it. Amen. Proverbs 29, 18 simply says this. You've heard it before. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And I just simply want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Faith for the Future. Faith for the Future. Amen. I've said it many, many times. We're not, this isn't the end. We're not finished. We're not done. God has a future for you. God has a future for this church. God has a future for this community, and God has a future for this world. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. This passage of Scripture is very common. Most of you probably could have quoted it when you heard me begin to read it to you today. Most of us I believe we understand the value that faith has in our relationship with the Lord. The faith that it takes to overcome even some of life's most insurmountable odds. Anybody else face any 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 obstructions, spiritual obstructions in this past year? I mean, 2022, uh, you know, 2020 came out and... And uh, everybody had that that whole saying, you know, 2020 vision. We're gonna, we, you know, and then we got blindsided uh, by a pandemic, and and it kind of shut a lot of things down. It changed the course. But you know what? At the end of the day, I want to declare we are still here. 
we are still here and God is still here. It has not destroyed us. The word of God says that you might get knocked down, but get back up. Amen. Faith, it is important. The word is true when it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yes, it's not just faith that we have to have in our possession if we are to successfully navigate the storms and trials of the life that we live. There are other elements that coincide with faith that we must be in possession of in our spiritual walk. I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, how it talks about a couple of more things that bind themselves to faith. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth, now lives. That word abide simply means lives. Now, now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So here we find ourselves with some other elements that are added to our Christian walk that are vital to our survival. Faith, hope, and love. The Bible calls it charity. Charity and love are the same things. As a matter of fact, I would say that these three elements need to be so closely intertwined, so so bound together that, that you cannot separate them, that you cannot tell where one ends and the other begins. I believe that faith, hope, and love needs to be a trio that each and every one of us have as a part of the fabric of our life because it is going to take all three of these in order to make us what God desires us to be. Faith says, I know God can. I believe that. I believe that I have faith, and I know that God can. But hope says, I expect God to. Where does love come in? Love says, whether he does or he does not, I'm still going to love him. I'm still going to serve him. I have faith that he can, and I expect that he will. But if he says no, and I have to keep on suffering, if he says no, and I have to keep on living with the same problem, I'm going to serve him anyway, no matter what. Twelve spies were sent out to look at the promised land. God had just delivered these people from 400 years of bondage. He's given them a promise of a better place, a land, as the Bible calls it, flowing with milk and honey. That was their way of saying, it's incredible. This place has everything we'll ever need. We know what it's like to be lacking in some things. We, we look around us today, and we see this beautiful old facility. We see this, this probably one of the oldest, if not the oldest, church in our, our, in our entire city today, and it's a beautiful facility. But quite honestly, it doesn't have everything that we need in it. We need some things that, that it cannot give to us. We need some things. And we look around and we see everything that we're lacking. But I've come to tell us today that God has a place for this church where he's going to provide everything that we need in order to be the church that he has called us to be. 
I close my eyes sometimes, and I see classrooms where we don't have an age group that spans three to, to 10 or 11 trying to teach all of them the same thing. I see classrooms where we can have courses. I see classrooms where we can teach children. I see places where we can do things that we cannot do here, and I have faith, amen, that he can, and I have hope that he will, but even if he would not, I'm still going to serve him right where I'm at. I'm going to rub shoulders with the greatest people in the world, and we're going to serve God to the best of our ability with what he has blessed us with. So they get there, and they do something that I, I'm not even sure Moses understood. I, I don't think he expected to get the response that he got, and he sent 12 spies out to survey the land, and I expected that he wanted them to come back and excite everybody. I figured that he planned on sending these 12 spies out and they would come back and say, oh my word, you're not going to believe the size of the grapes. And they did say some of that. And you're not going to believe how good the land is. They came back and they said, it's everything that God said it would be. But there's some problems that we're going to have to face. The land is filled with giants. Numbers 13, 32 tells us the story about when they brought back the report. And the, the Bible doesn't say that they brought back a negative report. It calls it an evil report. That's a pretty strong word, wouldn't you agree? The Bible calls something evil. You know, I, I'm just thinking, now in my mind, you know, these guys are coming back and they're just stating the facts. But the Bible looked at that and it said, no, that's not, that's more than a negative report. That is an evil report. Did that make it an untrue report? No. No, the report was accurate. Were they being dramatic? No, no. They, there were literally giants that were in the land. There were some problems. There were some things that they were going to have to face. So why would they, they call the report an evil report? And I've come up to this conclusion. It was called an evil report because it went against God's will for his people. Ten men came back out of the report out of the twelve and reported a, a report that opposed God's direction for his people. He said, I want you to go in and conquer the land. I brought you out of Egypt, and I didn't bring you out of Egyptian bondage so you could wander around for 40 years. I brought you out of slavery. I bought, brought you out of bondage to give you something better. I've already made the way, and yes, I know that there are some things in your natural life, in your natural eyes, in your natural vision where you look at it and you say, there's a roadblock here, but don't you forget the Red Sea. There was a roadblock there, and don't you forget the times when you you needed food there there I, there was a miracle there there was things that I did for you that brought you out don't remit, don't forget the plagues that were on Egypt that I sent so that you could get to where you are today negative report equaled an equal an evil report because what God when God says go they said no he said, move forward, and they said no. That evil report blinded their vision of their future. And what happened from that was a very sad state of affairs for people that should have been living far better than what they were. When they should have had a place of habitation, a place of victory, 
They wandered for 40 years until an entire generation of people that had been blinded about their future, that that had let an, an evil and a negative report stop them from doing what God told them that they should do. A whole generation of people perished. But understand, where that people with no vision perished, they were followed by a new generation that was coming up behind them that was not so easily dissuaded by negative talk. I'm telling you, church, you got to be careful who you listen to. You got to be careful the voices that you entertain in your life. You got we're surrounded by negative, and there's something that we cannot escape. There's some things we'll never be able to get away from. But we do not have to sit down and entertain ourselves with a bunch of negative. I've come to tell you today, I'm not listening to those that say it can't be done when God says go do it. I'm gonna let God do what God can do, and we're gonna walk in his will, and we're going to believe and have faith that he is able to do what he says he's able to do. I haven't talked about it too much, but I've been bothered by the fact that, you know, here we are well into the third year of raising funds for a building that all of a sudden almost doubled in price. We've had some things come up against us, and I, I thought maybe we would we would be breaking ground by now. And, and you look around, you'll see that we could use a little more space. I mean, it feels good. I mean, I, if you stand where I'm standing, you look out and you see a building that looks like this one that's that's full of people all the way from the front to the back, left to the right. A- amen. And there's extra chairs sitting out, and people are in those. You look at that, and it feels good. It makes me in my flesh. I want to say, hey, that's pretty successful. You filled up the building, but God says you need a bigger building. Amen. We're not doing this for man's ideas. We're not doing this because we are proud of what we can do, but we are doing this because God is choosing to have his word fulfilled in this city in a way where young people can walk into a place and find a place where they can dwell and find the supernatural power of God. I believe that today God is going to still do something great in this church, and we are not finished yet but he has still got us right where he needs us to be. A couple of years ago, we launched a vision of the future for this church. We rallied the troops, and the troops got together, and you blew me away, and you began to to give money, and you're still giving money to it. We watch that little thermometer back there on the wall. We keep going out there, and I need to update it again because it's higher than what it was. You just keep you keep having faith. You keep having, you've not lost your vision. But I've come to tell us today there are going to be negatives uh, that, that, that come against us. There's going to be challenges that we're going to have to face. There's going to be things that seem to be giants that we're going to have to step out and, and, and conquer uh, before we get to where God wants us to be. Don't be fearful of that. Don't think that we've lost our way. Don't think that it's, it's gone to the the, uh, to the back burner, but we are still dead set on letting God do what he promised he would do. Last couple of years, we've buried some of our very own people we used to sit on our pews from the pandemic. We've lost 
some for other reasons. We've battled more sickness than I've ever seen in my lifetime. It has been one of the greatest challenges trying to get everybody here at the same time. I remember it was about four or five years ago, and we were having a leadership meeting, and, and I started it off. I, I asked if they remembered a certain service, how crowded it was. We had we had people every all over in here, extra chairs set out. They were they were standing along the, the wall back there and all around the back the back of the, the church. We did not have enough places to even set everybody in it. And I remember asking the leadership, I said, does anybody remember what day this was, you know, if there, what, what special event this was? And so somebody said, was that Easter? I said, no, it wasn't Easter. And, and uh, was that Christmas? No, that wasn't, no, it wasn't Christmas. I said, no, it was, it was not a special service at all. The only thing that made it special was that everybody that comes to church here all showed up at the same time. I think when we looked around, we began to count. It, <laughs> there was no visitors here. I mean, it was just our folks that, 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 that all came on the same day. Pretty amazing. We've battled that now for, for two years. It's been hard trying to get everybody to show up at the same time. Sickness has abounded. We've had challenges that, that we've had to face that I don't feel like we've ever had to face like that in the past, but I'm sure there's other pastors that can say that they've had it worse, but, but we've looked around at some things, and yet here we are. I have not lost faith in our future. I have not lost a vision. I have not been blinded by the things that we've had to come up against us, but I still believe that God has a future for us that is bright and shining, and people that need the Lord are going to have a sanctuary that they can come into and find his presence there. I refuse to die in the wilderness just because I don't see the way out. I've chosen to move forward in faith that he can, in hope that he will, and a steadfast love that we're going to love him no matter how long it takes no matter how long it takes. I love the scripture, the story. It talks about 85-year-old Caleb, one of the two spies that went in that came back and said, let's go. Let's do this. He wasn't 85 when he, when he said that the first time. He was 40 years old. The Bible tells us his age. He's 40 years old. He comes back, and him and Joshua, they come back and say, it's everything God said it would be. Let's go do it. And the rest of them said, whoa, 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 wait. There's problems here. And Caleb and Joshua said, there's not too big of a problem for our God. Let's go. Fear's like an infection that spreads rapidly. We cannot let fear, we cannot let fear take a foothold in our life. It will destroy you. It will destroy the church. Caleb, 85 years old, he's standing there looking across at the promise that he knew they should have had 45 years ago. You know he was chomping at the bit. Not getting any younger here. 85 years old now. I'd like to taste some of that milk and honey that was promised me. This is what he says. 
It's recorded in Joshua chapter 14. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children forever. Caleb is looking at that saying, that's mine over there. But somebody else is living on what God promised me would be mine. And it's eating him up. And he's got to wait. He's got to wait till all the negative dies off. Wouldn't surprise me at night if Caleb wasn't walking into the tents of the others and like, um, need to help here. Let me help you down those, that flight of steps. Oops. He's not lost the vision. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said, these 40 and 5 years even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. He said, I'm 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, and my strength was then, even so is my strength now. He said, I can go to war, I can go out, and I can come in. He said, it don't much matter to me. You say put them down, I'm going to put them down. You say it's time to fight, I'm going to fight. I'm just as strong as, the, as, as I was 45 years ago when we should have taken it and conquered it in the first place. Let me tell you something. If you don't face the giants in your life, they're never going to go anywhere. They're going to live where you should be living. They're going to habitat, be in the habitat that should be yours that God promised you, and they're never going to go away. So you're going to have to face them someday if you ever want the promises of God, you got to face the giants. But I like how he finished it, verse 12. <laughs> I think about a couple of our elders here, some that I have faith in, confidence in. I've watched them walk through fire. I've watched them lose spouses. I've watched them lose children. I've, I've watched them face some giants in their life. I've worried about them at times saying, how are they going to handle this? I'll tell you how they handle it. They face it, and they face it down, and they trust in God. They've got faith in God, and they hope in God, and that most of all, they have a love for God that nothing can shatter them away from, but they stay in love with him no matter what. Caleb looks across the way and he says, I'm just as strong as I ever was. God's kept me alive. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. He looks around. There were 12 that went out that day, but there was really only two of that 12 that's left at this point. Whole generation has passed. You got two guys, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else is dead and buried, and it's down to the two that had vision and never let anything persuade them from losing it. 
That vision kept him alive when others were being put in the ground. That vision kept him strong when others succumbed to weakness. Asking for our music if it would come today. I'll tell you the importance of having a vision. I don't have a crystal ball, but I can see the future. And you need to be able to see the future. The future is told to us in the Word of God. You don't have to have a crystal ball. Vision for the future is an important thing. We must not to succumb to fear. We must not succumb to doubt. I know things around us seem to be a mess, and they are a mess. God's brought people through worse than what he's going to bring us through. Back in the 1960s, there was a place over in Kentucky that they were considering making a reservoir with, which when they finally did would become known as the Barren River Reservoir. Early on in the plans, men and the women that were involved to design it and construct it, put the dam up, they were busy attempting to determine where the water would go once the dam was built. It was going to affect the people that lived around that area, obviously. Some things, low spots were going to be underwater. Some homes were going to have to be vacated. So after careful consideration of those studies, they began to go house to house, door to door. They began to make offers to people. We're going to make you a nice offer on your home, your homestead, your land, your property, because here's what the plan is. We're going to, we're going to build a dam up here, and the house that you're living in today is going to eventually be underwater. You're not going to be able to live here anymore. Well, some saw it as a great opportunity, and they took that, that money. Others weren't so quick. Some families had that land in their family for generations, and they didn't want to sell. So they held out. The stories I was told is that it didn't take very long, just about a, just about a season. When you drove through that area, you could very quickly see the ones that, even though they were still living there, there was a great difference in the way that their property looked. Where once there were fields that were beautifully coming up with green corn and soybeans. Now just barrenness. Gates were sagging. Fences were getting holes in them. You see, nobody was repairing anything that had sold their place to the people that were going to build the dam. only a matter of time for, for people that had no vision for that future there began to quit caring about what happened. It's a dangerous thing. 
Surely you've been around neighborhoods, streets, maybe just a single home where the people just gave up. Maybe something happened. Maybe they lost a spouse. Maybe their will to live is just kind of gone. When there's no vision for the future, the people perish. Just as they did in Joshua and Caleb's day, the people perished that could not see the future promises of God. But there came a people behind them that said, I can see it. Would you stand with me today? It's very easy to get wrapped up in this world. We've got to live here. <laughs> Think about my mom right now. She's not in the, the best of circumstances where she's living it. She's taken care of, but there are times she'll send me a picture of, of what they're feeding her for supper. We were over there yesterday, and she's like, well, I, I just can't. So she's got a she's got a great friendship now with the Pizza Hut delivery people. She's figured out how to order some things online, get some door dash to her door. The great thing about it is, and the reason that she can tolerate it is she knows it's temporary. She's not there forever. We're working on some things. We're on a waiting list for some place that's going to be better. I want you to understand that today. Don't wrap up. You know what? We haven't taken up all of her stuff. We've got a lot of her stuff in storage right now. We've not taken it to a place. We've not invested in a place that we all know is going to be temporary because we have our sights set on some place much better. So we have her stuff stored in a place that when that better place becomes available, we put all of her investments there. Lay not up for yourself treasures where moth and rust can corrupt them. <laughs> don't get wrapped up in this world. Don't, don't let it sweet talk you into doing things that you know that are displeasing to God. Put your treasures in heaven where nothing is ever going to tarnish them. They're going to last for all eternity. Everything here is temporal. Understand that we are owners of zero, zilch, squat. I don't own my house. I don't own my car. Oh, the bank might tell me that, that, that I own a couple of things and, and, and they might on paper it may look, but I'm just a steward. I'm just managing the things that God has blessed me with. Everything that we have down here is going to one day belong to somebody else. And so I'm not putting all my investments, forgive me, if, if I don't feel like it's that important to put all my investments in a place that's going to eventually burn up anyway. But I want to put my investments in the future, my vision, my vision 
is set a little bit beyond this world. Oh, yes, I have things here I want. I have things here that I think we need. I think that God is going to bless us with some wonderful things. But my, I, I, I am seeing beyond all those things. God, help us. Help us to have our sight set on heaven. This world, God, this life is temporal. It's like a vapor. It's there for a moment. Then it disappears and fades away. It's like the blade of grass that comes up, turns green, and then the cold causes it to wither and die. Trying to get to somebody's heart and mind today that's captivated on the here and now. Maybe you're slightly disenfranchised with the things of God at the moment. He's trying to reach you today. He's trying to help you today. He's trying to give you a new vision prescription today to help you see some things that maybe have been a little blurry, a little foggy in your past. He wants you to know this. He's here. I want to open these altars up today, and I want to invite you up, those of you that would, if you just come up and reconnect. If you just make your way to the front, you just ask God, Lord, don't let me forget the promises that you've given me because they are yea and amen. Some of you might now be sitting in a place where the promise seems too far away and there's too many obstacles and too many giants that are standing between you and the promises that God has given to you. But I've come to encourage you today. Set your sight upon the promise. Keep moving forward. Would you come as they begin to sing today? Would you come today? Would you gather in around us? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.